0: There's a famous saying that there are two certainties in life, death and taxes. We could probably expand that to another certainty in crypto, and that is fear, uncertainty, and doubt surrounding Tether. Now, every time we see another false Tether DPEG story or a story about an attack on Tether that they're going to collapse, I just call Palo Arduino and we have a conversation about that's exactly what we did here today. There's some new revelations and some amazing takes in this awesome conversation. Let's go. Another day, another tether controversy being made up by the crypto community, seemingly. But you guys just made a huge move towards transparency. Can you talk about FOIL?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you very much, Scott. I mean, it feels like every time something happens, you and I get to talk. So, um, so OK, um, of course, the day started with um, some markets movements. We will talk about that later. But uh, the most recent news was uh, 15, 30 minutes ago. Um, Tether announced that it dropped its opposition in the FOIL matter. FOIL means uh, freedom of information uh, low. Is a thing in in the U.S. that allows, um, I think, journalists or even the, the the wide public, to ask to regulators certain information of, um, of uh, on related to disputes, right? So uh, Coindesk uh, asked that information to the New York Attorney General, 2021. Uh, Tether opposed uh for um on this matter to avoid that the information of our customers was going to be uh released and also posed on the depth of the information um uh to that was included in this report but look um you know two years passed. that is information is old but also that information contains Uh, our banking statements, right? The bank balances, the the name of the banks that we have been using uh, for for the last uh, years. It contains uh, a lot of information about our policies, our KYCML policies, our transparency policies, our risk management policies, investments, and so on. And contains also uh, some information about the um, widely spoke um, commercial papers. So, you know, in these days, in these times of um, high uncertainty and fat, and and the market craziness and, we, and you know, we thought, OK, we have to do something. We have to show that we are different. Let's put this to bed, right? We don't have anything to hide. First of all, that information is super old. Uh, Tether changed so dramatically since then. But also even that, if that information shows that Tether was all, always backed. That information was, in fact, reviewed by the New York Attorney General for two years, right? So for two years, we kept sending this information to the New York Attorney General. And so we thought, okay, um, we have to release it. We have to show that we are, you know, the bigger man in in the situation. Um, And it's a good good day. Um, It's a good day because uh, it will just reinstate the fact that, uh, you know, transparency is king. Uh, that it will just set up the buyer higher for everyone else. So I find it exciting.
0: I think it's really exciting. Does this put to bed the questions you've had about audits in the past? I mean, is this as transparent as having an audit if you're just releasing your statements and your books?
1: Well, I mean, uh, I think the... Uh, so this is... a punctual information in a specific moment in time, right? So an audit is a more and more ongoing thing. But I think one thing that I'm a bit sorry about uh, of this information coming public, that is one of the reasons why we opposed in the past. and that you know, in in the end, you have to take some decisions is that um, that information contains the list of terminated customers from Tether, right? So Tether over time terminates customers because either they're US people, so we can serve them or for different reasons and and so we hope that the Coindesk will not release that uh, the list of individuals publicly not because we have something to hide right so you know it's it's not um, it's not about transparency right if they do it is not our problem is the physical security of these people that is not of course. you know it is it, yeah. not great but uh, you know we we try to warn the coin desk we we ask publicly to not do it and we'll see what they will do
0: yeah okay so the other news that we've been talking about today, obviously, is this curve pool imbalance that's once again triggering people to talk about a tethered DPEG, causing some people to speculate that somebody knows something that maybe we don't. Seems like the usual story, but can you talk about what's happening there specifically?
1: Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> this is the uh, good old story that uh, you know we talked always about um, you know, each other. So... Um, recent today, um, and think about it, right? So first of all, it's it's quite interesting as a coincidence that uh, this happened while the information, our information, was shared today with different journalists. So um, related to the foil, right? So uh, FAD has always interesting timings. You could see, you could say. So anyway, um, this morning, five around five a.m. I think CET. Um, there was an aggressive move on uh, on some DeFi pools and on on some centralized exchanges that would see uh, USDT being sold subpar. Um, that we we have seen that event uh, happen a few other times in the past, uh, always related to public attempts to uh, cause panic in the market. Uh, we always um, came out from those situations in with the fine colors. Remember, the first time it happened, seriously, was uh, off, just after the Terra Luna event. Yeah, in uh mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Tether was able to redeem $7 billion in 48 hours. So that was 10% of our reserves. And $20 billion in, in 20 days. That was 25% of our reserves, something like that. And, um, you know, uh, of course, as we see much less pressure uh, today in the market. The volumes of uh, these... Uh, 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 Sell pressures were were quite smaller than in the past. But still, nevertheless, you could see also reported publicly, right? You could see big whales dumping, uh, borrowing tether and dumping in the market uh, to to cause further down pressure. That caused, of course, market makers to step in and doing the arbitrage work to buy cheap tethers from the market to redeem them. And that's completely fine, right? So for us, the, the thing that I always say is it's a test, right? It's a stress test. And stress test is good. I mean, I wish banks would go uh, with uh, would be subject to the same stress test. Because if you see your ten percent of your reserves flowing out the window in in twenty four hours, then then it means that and you don't have any problems. It means that it's good, right? People see that that is happening. People see that your banking is able to fulfill the redemptions. So it's always exciting when it happens. Um, I think um, I'm just sorry that it always comes with uh, a lot of fad and and, uh, misunderstanding, misconceptions around Tether um, that could harm uh, less sophisticated people, right? So I saw your tweet today where you're explaining how the PEG works, right? So the the PEG event happens only on the secondary market, right? On the, the exchanges, on, on DeFi pools. But Tether always redeem all its tokens at $1, the face value, right? So um, when a customer comes to us, we pay always a uh, dollar for each token. And so that is an important uh, definition, right? We can only take care, as Tether, we can only take care of the primary market that is our platform, that is tether.io, right? But we cannot control, we, we are not, involving ourselves and we cannot also by law right uh involving ourselves on the secondary markets we cannot touch them and so that is really important there are market makers that will fulfill the market demand that is also happening when you know some for most of the time funny enough that is trading above the dollar and you then right. hear so much news, right? But that means that in that moment there is the traders are or the market has a lot of demand for tether, so there is an upward pressure. When either there is an attack or there is less demand, there is downward pressure. Is market, dynamic, market, market dynamics market dynamics is worked pretty well so far.
0: Yeah, and this DPEG, you know, I'm throwing up quotes for anybody who's listening, but this DPEG was a fraction of a percent. Right? Yeah. I mean USDC last year at Silicon Valley Bank. Was trading on the secondary market at eighty-seven cents, eighty-eight cents, ninety cents on the dollar. We're talking about ninety-nine point something today. So a totally yeah. different scenario.
1: Zero point three percent was the maximum of. Um of um, discrepancy from the dollar. And yeah, again, you know we have seen in the past some attempts like this, I think that now market makers are more equipped to to act quickly because it's good money for them, right? So they know that uh, we are back, so they just are happy to buy cheap tatters and, and and redeem them. So it's it's a good showcase on how healthy markets work you know, in a certain way.
0: Do you have any concern when things like this happen that in this regulatory environment with so many people having a spotlight on the space that it could then have them focus more on you? Because I also don't think a lot of your regulators and legislators and governments understand the nuance that we just discussed. They probably, like everybody else, just read an article and go, it's de-pegging, it's not safe.
1: That's a that's a great point, right? So uh, the role of Cater is uh, meeting with uh, all regulators or all lawmakers to explain how exactly the market works, right? So it's not uh, not necessarily every single regulator understand all the dynamics of what is happening in the crypto industry. They don't necessarily understand the difference between primary and secondary markets. So it's important from our uh, you know from our perspective to give them the tools to understand exactly how it works and give them the data, right? Because if when you look at the data, when we show how our redemptions work, when we show when, you know, a customer comes and redeem $100 million, we show them, okay, we receive that money, we pay that money out. So so we receive in Tether's tokens and we pay the money out. So they can see all the process. Then then they understand, they are much more assured. But this um, definitely is... um, is probably the most critical word in this particular moment in time that we can do to provide the tools to understand this technology.
0: Are there doors open in every single country for you to take those meetings, or are there places where you can't get in the door? I mean, we know for a fact Brian Armstrong can't even get a meeting with Gary Gensler, who is the head regulator in his own country, right? So is it problematic for you to even get the opportunity to educate those regulators?
1: Well, I would say, well, I think the the SEC case is particular, right? So it is kind of saddening because it it feels it feel it feels just wrong that uh, you know a country like uh, the US that uh, historically has been pushing innovation forward, right? So I'm I'm Italian. I was living in Europe. I've been living in Europe for all my life, right? And in you know in all the movies, um, US has been the driver, the driving force of innovation, right? In ev- every single technology and then you know for this seems an exception a weird exception to me and um and also the capital that there, there is in the US right support this technology um is um, is is a shame that is uh, that is happening this way but you know i think um um regulation by um regulation should have been happening uh, proactively rather than uh, regulation by enforcement but in general what we are seeing right so also it happens that um so I talk to regulators in, uh, both in in, uh, in in Europe, but also in in the US. Um, and uh, everyone is always excited to talk to us. I mean, it's crazy enough about they are they they hear so much about tether that when when the CFA's when they understand how it works, you know, they they of course ask questions and also really hard and thorough questions. Well, that that's their job, right? But in the end, uh, we um, end up the conversation in a positive light.
0: I think that makes sense because once they understand it, they understand that it's actually a pretty boring business. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, it is. It's a business that uh, doesn't require so much, um, you know, man, manpower, right? So it's a uh, we are a company that is quite lean. Uh, we have uh, you know sixty people in the company spread all, all around the world, and uh, you know it's important because all our customers are all the emerging markets. So you are so we are so spread in 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 the in our users rather than customers, right? Because our customers are the primary market customers, but our users are like in Turkey, in Argentina, in in Brazil, in in. Venezuela, in uh, in in Vietnam, in the, everywhere, right? So in in Africa, so we we have people around the world. We 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 show how how uh, careful we are in our risk management, in in, in our liquidity management, and so on. So um, I, I think is um, is exciting. Uh, really, I think Tep since two years ago took uh, amazing steps in terms of transparency, and we learn a lot. Also, you know, I also when i talk to regulators i never hide the fact that uh you know we have been um um uh we we settled with the new york Tony general we settled with the CFTC. there is i mean we are not ashamed right so we we know our history we know that we always want to do better we are fighting for for uh for for this technology for you know for bitcoin to become like a um a, 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 a resilient tool for people a resilient financial tool for people so we we decided that we have to, to put everything that we have in, in this thing.
0: I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but I was pretty astounded when I was looking into, well, A, the volume of Tether being moved around the world is absolutely astounding, but I was actually pretty surprised to see that the bulk of it was happening on Tron.
1: Well, it's um, it makes sense, right? Because keep in mind that Ethereum fees are pretty unpredictable, you just need like a guy minting a few NFTs that uh, that the, the fees are... Skyrocketing. Pulls up the whole network for two days. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so keep in mind that, uh, you know, maybe uh, $5 are, are not much for, well, are still a lot of money for a single transaction. But maybe, uh, you know, and an European an, an, a person living in the U.S. or Canada can afford those, right? But... Um, for a person maybe living in uh, in Nigeria or a person living in another country, like um, in uh, they they cannot afford it, right? So Tron has much much lower uh, fees. And keep in mind one thing: Tether is a centralized stablecoin. So because it relies on the banking system, using decentralized transport layers, but it remains centralized. So the fact that it uses strong, it it uses strong just because it's fast and cheaper than 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 Ethereum, it doesn't change, it doesn't affect its decentralization because anyway tether is not centralized in the is, is not decentralized in the first place. Tether is centralized.
0: Yeah, makes perfect sense. I think most people just want fast and cheap and they'll go yeah. wherever they can get it. Were you at all surprised? Because I was that in the Binance suit filed by the SEC that they named BUSD a stablecoin as a security.
1: Well, I mean, um, I I don't know exactly the mechanics of uh, of um, of BUSD, um, but um, as you could see, uh, USDT was not uh, named as a security as a security. So we take a lot of pride in in you know um, um, differently from others. We 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 make sure that we do the things by the book. And uh, you know that I think is being recognized by by regulators.
0: I think so. When you meet with the United States, with the government regulators, companies here, do they understand that Tether is effectively helping the dollar and helping dollarization, or do they still see it as destabilizing it? What's sort of the opinion there when you meet with people in general? Because I mean, you guys are a huge buyer of the United States treasuries, right?
1: Yeah, I think we have so as direct exposure right now we have around 50 56 billion in uh, is in US Treasuries. And with indirect, with as indirect, I mean like through the money market funds we are investing in, we are like 60 and something billion in, in US Treasuries. And so the the when I explain our portfolio composition, I also also explain that uh, we are not here uh, to trying to steal the work from the banks in uh, Europe or in the U.S. And uh, that's true, right? So we, I don't have to preach to the Pope, right? So if Europe and U.S. has pretty good good um, uh, uh, financial infrastructure, right? So and and banking infrastructure, people most of the people have a bank account. But there are places in the world where people don't, like 70% of the people don't have a bank account. And because the banking infrastructure is poor, they are forgotten or non-interesting for the banking infrastructure. Um, And so that is where we thrive. So in a way, we are not competing with the US and European banking industry. So we are not stealing jobs. We are not stealing fees from them. But we are also tackling a market that is really important for the US and is helping the hyper And this, this, um, this knowledge, this information is really reasoning with the people I'm talking to because it's um, seen this light, right? So always, of course, when you see this disruptive, uh, disruptive te- technology, you as a lawmaker or like a person, like in, uh, in, in uh, you know, uh, yeah, as a lawmaker, you want to make sure that you protect your companies inside your country, right? So you want to make sure that you maintain the healthiness of all these companies, but actually we are not putting them in harm. We are actually, creating more and more value for, for the US dollar. And I think is is the big difference that when explained just makes sense.
0: So we've seen a lot of talk about legislation around Bitcoin crypto in general in the United States. But when you really zoom in on it, it seems like stable coins are the first thing that they're keen to regulate. I don't know if that's because it's low hanging fruit. It's something they understand and it's easier. But do you think that we could get some stablecoin clarity in the United States in the not-so-distant future? I think, for me, I think any of anything in crypto, that's the most likely thing we may see some legislation around.
1: Yeah, well, first, first of all, think think about the fact that um, stablecoins are the entry point for, for crypto, right? So if you regulate stablecoins, you basically regulate the crypto market to a certain extent, but still, you, you are already um, um, regulating the gates so um but i agree with you uh stable coins seem to be the most likely thing that will be regulated both in europe in the uh, us uh pretty soon in europe actually there is this mica license that is um progressing fairly well uh, it should be entering in um in circulation full circulation full force um by the first of july 2024 um in the us if you see all the new bills that are submitted, you could see that there are always referencing stablecoin stable coin and, and the will of regulating stable coins.
0: Did anything in Mika surprise you guys? Does it change how you have to operate or do you get to pretty much continue as you were doing?
1: Well, the Mika is a, is a tricky animal in a way because basically it imposes a limit of um, of issuance for payment stable coins. And the payment stable coins definition is not um, well explained or, or well defined in in the legislation. So um, for example, Tether is both um, a settlement stable coin, but also can be used as a payment stable coin, right? So, or like a reserve um, a, a store of value. So, um, understanding how to comply with the regulation might be proving quite tricky and also the limit is um, is difficult to enact because it will require all the vasps that are virtual asset service providers so all the different counterparties that are accepting for example usdt to communicate to us how much volume that they're making uh, per day so that we could regulate or limit how much we issue right so it's kind of a weird dynamic that we are Trying to understand, but it's not finalized, right? So we are we are both voicing our concerns to be a good actor and give proactive guidance. Um, and for us, it's important, of course, to um, you know to see in, in any way the final result.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it's complicated for you, I can't imagine how much, how complicated it is for mm-hmm. them. I would imagine that it's not necessarily them being evil or angry or anything, but probably just don't understand the market well enough. And you're talking about a bunch of bureaucrats, right? So just pass something like that. Are there jurisdictions where you've seen stablecoin-specific laws that you find are encouraging or that could be you know, copied or mim- mimicked by any of these other regulators?
1: Well, we are seeing Hong Kong, for example, is making waves and in general, also in supporting crypto and the timing is uh, interesting, right? So <laughs> uh, on one side you get um, the U.S., um, you know, deciding to uh, close on crypto, and uh, you know uh, on the other side you see uh, China that uh, initially decided to ban um, uh, cryptocurrencies. Also, to with uh, with its connection to Hong Kong, is is interesting that Hong Kong um, is now reopening to crypto. Is in a way is um, allowing crypto in Hong Kong as a testing phase, but also as a way to attract companies with a lot of capital um, that uh, are in this moment deciding to leave the U.S.
0: Yeah, it's a simple way of saying that the United States slammed the door. So China decided to open it, even though they were the country that was banning it. I mean, even today, the Hong Kong government, I don't want to quote exactly who it was, but basically said, or the bankers said, hey, all of those companies... Uh, actually, they were telling their own banks to open the doors to companies that were shut out of the United States in the banking system, like with Silvergate and yep. Signature and such. Huge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In the end, it, this industry at its peak was a $30 trillion industry, right? So, of course, you have to put rules because you don't want to attract scammers. But at the same time, if you have you know open rules that allow the technology to thrive at the same time to protect individuals, Uh, and you embrace this technology you can create a massive inflow of capital that is basically what every single nation wants
0: let's talk about you guys buying bitcoin before i let you go because that was the other most confusing uh fud story that i've seen where everybody said they're gonna buy bitcoin it's just like luna (laughs) anyone with a brain realizes you weren't saying you're gonna back Tether with Bitcoin, no. like they did, but I'll give you the chance to explain it. But also, more importantly, why you're choosing to uh, to buy Bitcoin.
1: So let's start with how it works, right? So Tether, in this moment, has around eighty three point five billion issued uh, tokens. So and, and Tether has eighty three point five billion in the reserves. On top of these reserves, so um, Tether has kept in the company its profits, the majority of its profits. So, so far, uh, give or take as of today, we would have around $2.8 billion on top of the $83.5 billion that, uh, that we have and need to have in order to back 100% of the tokens. So those, you know, in a classic Silicon Valley company, they, they would have been already shared as dividends, right? Disputed as dividends to the shareholders, but Tether decided to keep them in the company. Uh, to further provide stability to its stablecoin. So, and you know, just when I see today these uh, attempts to try to, to bring down Tether with some selling in the market and say, okay, we have even more money than what we should have, right? So, you know, good luck with that. Anyway, we are now in a situation where, um, with the part of the excess reserves, these are these additional two. 0.8 it's your profit. billion. Dollars. Yeah. yeah, we decided to buy a portion, with a portion of, of bit. we decided to buy Bitcoin because we believe that is a good hedge against, you know, all the craziness that is happening in the world. We are Bitcoiners at heart anyway. Uh, we believe that uh, Bitcoin is the most liquid thing in the, in the crypto industry. So it is the only thing that uh, makes sense for us to buy. And, uh, you know, by someone today reported that uh, BlackRock is even thinking to file an ETF on, on, on Bitcoin. So... It's uh, it, it's it's the thing that uh, um, everyone is looking at, right? So, Ethereum is too. There is not not really uh, enough liquidity, honestly, um, to do uh, to to buy it. And uh, we we believe that there is nothing like Bitcoin anyway. Um, so we wouldn't buy anything else apart Bitcoin.
0: <laughs> we'll talk about a BlackRock ETF another day, because uh, it's not like uh, companies have not been applying for those already. But I would bet that if one gets approved, it will probably be BlackRock. <laughs> but I, I know you have to go. You have a hard stop here. I'll say I really love talking to you, but I hope we don't have to do it too soon again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you very much, Scott, as always. Thanks, Paolo. Let's
0: go.